Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another Lost Ladies of Lit mini episode, wherein we dive into another tangential topic that interests us. <laughs> I'm Kim Askew here with my friend and writing partner, Amy Helms. Hey, everyone. Kim, I think our regular listeners would be a little shocked to hear that we're going to be discussing tattoos today. It doesn't necessarily seem like us. Uh, do you have any tattoos? I do. You do? You didn't know that? No. <laughs> I don't think I know. Yeah, I think you knew it because I've had it the entire time that I've known you. Um, I have it on my, actually, I don't remember. I think it's my right hip, the upper buttock area. I have a heart with binds around it. Well, I wouldn't have seen that. Well, no, in like swimsuits or something. I mean, we don't wear swimsuits that much. <laughs> I don't know why we live in LA, but we're not swimsuit type people. We're more like fireside tea people. So yeah, she didn't know that I have one. I have a heart with binds around it that I got a long time ago. Anyway. <laughs> All right. You learn something new every day. That's hilarious. But Amy, what about you? I know you don't have one. You don't even have your ears pierced. No, I don't. If you told me that you had one, I would like literally pass out right now. (laughs) Yeah. It's not my aesthetic, but also I think the main reason really is that I, I would just be too paralyzed by indecision to even know what I would want permanently emblazoned on my body. You know, Mm -hmm. I've thought about it. I've never actually really thought about getting a tattoo, but I have like for fun thought about like, what would you get if you were going to get one? Mm -hmm. And it would have to be a word or a quote or something. Mm -hmm. But I mean, how do you even begin to choose? I just don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. I have very spontaneous sight, as you know, there wasn't much thinking involved in in my tattoo. (laughs) That makes sense. But I never regretted it. Okay, good, 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 good. Now I will say, and I'm going to hold this up to the screen and show you, I was, I think, um, Meg, who, you know, my old college Mm -hmm. roommate, Meg, Mm -hmm. she gave me a temporary literary tattoos (gasps) and I have yet to use them, but maybe I will put them on now that this episode is coming up and we can put pictures of my bicep on Instagram with my literary tattoo. You can wear them to our next tea. Yeah. They're all pride and prejudice themed. So We have, of course, obstinate, headstrong girl, um, Pemberley, including like a silhouette of Pemberley. I want that one. Can we fight over them? I am all astonishment. I like that one. These are made by litographs, it's called. So Meg, if you're listening, I, I know Meg. Meg, do you have a tattoo? I don't think so. But oh, I don't. let us know. Question. Let us yeah. know if you're listening. I don't know if she has one either. Okay. So anyway, listeners, if tattoos aren't something Amy is passionate about, you might wonder why are we even discussing them today? It all stems from an outing Amy and I had in January to go have afternoon tea at a venue called Lily Rose in downtown LA. Yeah. So it's this super cool bar in the Wayfair Hotel and it's got a funky bordello kind of vibe with all kinds of cool Victorian art and photos covering the wall, sort of almost dark academia in certain respects. But the centerpiece of the decor is this large, and I'm talking maybe four feet tall even, photo of a Victorian woman. She's got a rose affixed to her poofy Gibson girl hair. She's wearing a four-strand pearl choker. She's got a truculent expression on her face. And she's wearing a barely there strapless bodice that reveals the fact that her body is covered in tattoos. <laughs> yes. It's so surprising. Yes. She is inked with tons of artwork and that includes two lions across her chest, a hummingbird, butterfly, serpent, palm trees, and an eagle carrying an American flag in its beak. 
So naturally, the portrait caught our attention, and being the curious girls that we are, Kim and I flagged down a waiter to ask him who this was in the picture. And you'd think the fact that it's the focal point of the bar, he would know. No, he said he wasn't sure, and he had to go ask somebody. Yeah, so he returned a minute later, and he said, oh, that's Lily Rose, a.k.a. the bar's namesake, which made sense. Made sense, Mm -hmm. but... But God bless him. He was lying. <laughs> yeah, I think he made it up on the spot. Right? I think he totally made it up. <laughs> so I went home and Googled Lily Rose, trying to find out more about this woman in the photograph. And I did find the photo online. It's everywhere. But the woman's name is not Lily Rose. It's Maud Wagner. She happens to be the first known female tattoo artist in the United States. So we're going to tell you a little about Maud Wagner in today's episode. And of course, we'll link to some photos of Maude Wagner and her tattoos in our show notes, you know, and in case any of you listeners want to go get a tattoo after listening to this episode, maybe she'll inspire you. (laughs) So Amy, what do we know about Maude Wagner? Well, she was born Maude Stevens in Kansas in 1877. And when she was pretty young, she apparently ran off and joined the circus. I love her already. (laughs) Yes. Um, Apparently, she worked first as a contortionist, aerialist, and acrobat in her early days with the circus. Now, my daughter, Julia, would love that because she takes aerial lessons. She does the silks, you know, if you've seen those. Um, I love that. I just think it's so beautiful. I know. It scares me and Mike half to death to watch her. We're always joking that she's going to run off and join the circus someday also. So hopefully she doesn't pull a mod. You know, I try everything, right? I did take a lesson in that once and I was horrible. Like I didn't have enough upper arm strength to pull myself. Did we do that together? Did we? Was it with Isabel? Did we go with Isabel? Was it in Hollywood? Yes. It It is so hard. Oh, you have to be so strong to be able to do it. Like it's not something you just, unless you're super strong, you could just walk off the street and do. No, no. It's like climbing the rope in gym class kind of thing, but even harder. I was crippled the day after I tried it. But it looks so beautiful. It does. Anyway, we digress. While performing at the St. Louis World's Fair in 1904, Maude met the man who would become her husband, and he was a tattoo artist. His name was Gus Wagner, and he sported 800 tattoos himself. Yeah, there's a book by a woman, Margot DeMello, called Inked about the history of tattooing. And in that book, it basically says Wagner gave Maude a tattoo as a way of getting a date with her. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked on me. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) But apparently a needle and ink is a turn on for Maude uh, because she fell for Gus and they ended up getting married. And he wound up teaching her everything he knew about the art of tattooing. Apparently, he did it the old-fashioned way, not with like a gun kind of thing, just a needle and ink. And because she wound up having him decorate most of her body with tattoos, she became an exhibition unto herself. So now, instead of being an acrobat, she was a walking work of art. Nice pivot. There's a lot more career stability than as an acrobat, I think. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Safer, safer to be on the ground. Um, In researching Maude, I came to find out that actually tattoos in the Victorian era were not as taboo as you might think. Yes, they did kind of start off with like prisoners and sailors getting them. But some members of elite society actually sported tattoos, including Queen Victoria's eldest son. And there were even some upper class Victorian women sporting ink too. Apparently... 
And we'll get into this in a second, but Winston Churchill's own mother, Lady Randolph Churchill, is said to have had a tattoo. Her name was Jenny Jerome, and she was an American heiress, one of the buccaneers, if you will. We love the buccaneers. (laughs) Yes. She reportedly had a tattoo of a snake coiled around her left wrist. Ooh, Yeah, I say reportedly because it was written about in a newspaper article in 1894, and I'll just read from that. There are certain women of the world who capture public attention to that degree that everything they do is promptly chronicled. Lady Randolph Churchill is one of them. When returning home from India with Lord Randolph, she noticed a British soldier tattooing a deckhand. She had the artist brought before her and asked him for some designs. He suggested the Talmudic symbol of eternity, a snake holding its tail in its mouth. Lady Randolph was charmed and bared her arm for the operation. Lord Randolph swore and protested, but the tattooing was done, so it is said at least, and it is described as a beautifully executed snake dark blue in color with green eyes and red jaws. As a general thing, it is hidden from the vulgar gaze by a broad gold bracelet, but her personal friends are privileged to see it and hear the story of the tattooing. Ooh, I love that. I'm not going to get another tattoo probably ever, but that sounds really cool. Good for her. Yeah. If it like kind of looks like a bracelet or whatever. Yeah, that's really cool. But here's the problem. When you look up photos of Jenny, and there are many, there is no snake tattoo to be found on any, even potentially hidden under a bracelet. Mm. You you just can't find them. She would have gotten that tattoo based on the timeline when she was around 40, supposedly, but no one's been able to find any photographic evidence that she was sporting ink. That would be hard to hide. It would be. And I'd love for that story to be true, but Mm -hmm. it could be fake news. And even they kind of said in the article, like, it almost was written as if they didn't really have an eyewitness account. Like, so it is said, you know. Yeah. Um, But I want to credit a web article by Amelia K. Osterud, a historian and author of the book Tattooed Lady, A History. Uh, She provided the intel on all this about the mystery of Jenny Churchill's tattoo. Anyway, it's really making me want to go read Anne Seba's 2007 biography of Jenny Churchill. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even if she didn't get a tattoo, she sounds like she was quite the spitfire in many other ways. And I think if you're into the Gilded Age like we are, she's a lady you might want to get to know. I'm super into that idea. Anyway, getting back to Maude Wagner, she died in 1961. Because she and her husband spent so much time on the road in traveling vaudeville shows, county fairs, and amusement arcades, the couple is credited with helping spread the tradition of tattooing across the United States. There's also a historical novel based on her life called Maud's Circus by an author named Michelle Renee, Michelle Reen. I'm not sure how that's pronounced. There's no accent mark. I think Renee, Reen. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But if you liked Sarah Gruen's 2006 novel, Water for Elephants, this one kind of sounds like it would be in that same sort of world, which would be fun. Oh, yeah. And that's making me think of one of my favorite books ever, but the name is not coming to me. The wonderful book. It's like a cult favorite. Um, Oh, I know. It's not the Lobster Boy one. No, no. No. It's not called the Lobster Boy, but um, yeah, it's said in a circuit. Oh, that would be so perfect. Geek Love. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Geek Love. Geek Love. Yeah, I didn't hear you say that. 
I didn't say it, but I feel like yeah. there was a Lobster Boy in Geek Club. Oh yeah, there <laughs> is. I thought okay. there was that. You meant there was a book called Lobster Boy. No, no, yes, no. there was okay. Lobster. Yeah, Geek yeah. Love. It, yeah, it reminds me of Geek Love, which I re- read again a few years ago because Eric had never read it and I had him read okay. it and he loved yeah. it. Such a great book. Yeah. Anyway. We would never have known about Maude if we hadn't gone to tea together and seen her photo. So once again, one of our um, field trips that we have turned into inspiration. It always does. Yeah. Although still not as great as our Kate Blanchett sighting during one afternoon tea that we had at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills. Remember Mm -hmm. that? Oh, I won't forget it ever. We were having a brainstorm for one of our projects that I think Maybe our first book or something. Uh, yeah. And we thought this is all meant to be. And it was. The fact that we're saying Kate Blanchett here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's making me think we need to schedule another one of our fancy teas. Let's get it on the books. Yes, let's. Because who knows what adventure might await us. So that's all for today's episode. Be sure to join us next week when we'll be discussing the author Tess Schlesinger and her unforgettable modernist novel, The Unpossessed. We've got Dr. Paula Rabinowitz joining us next week. And get this. Tess Schlesinger's son, Peter Davis, will be with us too. How cool is that? I cannot wait. Bye, everyone. Our theme song was written and performed by Jenny Malone, and our logo was designed by Harriet Grant. Lost Ladies of Lit is produced by Amy Helms and Kim Askew.